Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, We have such an exciting guest this morning. His name is Rabbi Wayne Dosik, Ph.D., D.D., the author of The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine, is the founder and spiritual guide of Elijah Minyon in San Diego, California. Rabbi Dozik has served San Diego Jewry for the past 36 years, most notably at Congregation Beth El in La Jolla, as the founder of the congregation Beth M, now in Carmel Valley, and for the past 20 years, with Elijah Minion, making him the longest-serving rabbi in the community. And for more than 17 years, 1988 through 2005, Rabbi, rabbi Dosik has served as an adjunct professor and visiting associate professor at the University of San Diego, teaching the only courses in Jewish studies at the Catholic University. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Currently, uh, Rabbi, he is the host of Spirit Talk Live, Journeys into Mind, Heart, and Soul, a weekly Internet radio program heard on HealthyLife.net and Spirit Talk Live TV, a weekly Internet television program seen on WazilloMedia.com, Spirit Talk Live, Tuesdays at 3 p.m., It's a worldwide conversation for exploring the great questions of existence, for joining in the quest to find meaning and worth in life through intellectual inquiry and sacred spirit. Plus, Rabbi Dosik is the best-selling, award-winning author of eight previously uh, acclaimed books. The articles about uh, Rabbi Dosik and his books have appeared in more than 85 newspapers, and he has appeared on more than 150 radio and television shows, including Good, Good Morning America, The Larry King Show, CNN, and NPR. He has spoken and conducted seminars, workshops, and has been scholar-in-residence at most more than 200 bookstores, synagogues, churches, schools, universities, and seminaries, hospitals, and healthcare facilities, businesses and corporations, and community organizations throughout the country. He is a master teacher who has taught in many different settings. He was once dubbed America's 
favorite rabbi. Rabbi. Well, we can certainly understand that, and and stance is to empower others and knowledge that will support them in everyday life, allowing them to present and, and embrace each moment, being alive and feeling the spirit of God within. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Welcome, and we're so happy to have you on your our show, Rabbi. Well, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And all those other shows, Good Morning America, Larry King, all those other things, mean nothing because I'm now on the Taz and Paula show. So thank you for having me. <laughs> Oh, that's making and, and my name so is pronu- my name is pronounced Dasik. So uh, Dasik, sorry. I was just on the other day on Ancestry.com looking up uh, um, the the legacy, the the ancestry of my family in Ukraine. So um, I'm very aware of names these days. Wow, that's in- uh, I'm going to do that with my family. So it's, that's interesting. Um, you are a rabbi, yet you say we have never known the real name of God. How can that be? Well, it really is uh, as profound that is, as it is simple. Think about this. The one perfect God, the one perfect God, has hundreds of names. Judaism has 40, 50 names for God. Christianity has names. Islam, the Hindus have 99, some say 999 names for God. So my first question was, how does the all-perfect one God have so many different names? And my second question was, how does the God who is the God of love and compassion, who loves me, who cradles me in tender compassion, who gives us all a sterling set of rules to live by, to enhance and ennoble the human experience, How can that God also behave as God often is depicted in the Bible as harsh and angry and vengeful and domineering and male authoritarian? And so it occurred to me that none of the names that we have for God, none of the names that we have for God is God's real name. Each one is an aspect or an attribute or manifestation or behavior of God. So... If you picture a beach ball with all its many colored panels, each one of the panels of the divine beach ball is one of the names of God representing only one attribute or aspect or manifestation of God. My question was, what's the name of the whole divine beach ball? What's the name of the whole God, the totality of God? And I wondered if I could go back into the Bible itself and find that name hiding there in plain sight for all these years, just waiting to be discovered, and I found it. Wow. (laughs) Well, you really hit on a real good subject. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I've always thought to myself, I don't imagine God as being angry. I imagine him as being loving, and so... You just really brought that forth. That was beautiful. Thank you. Well, him and her, because if it's the whole beach ball, then God is the everything of the everything, the totality of God. So God contains both male and female, right and wrong, good and evil, uh, justice and mercy. And so God then says to us, you, my children, 
who are created in my image, you have everything within you. So within you is good and evil and right and wrong and and uh, justice and mercy and male and female. So it is the totality, the wholeness. Uh, Jung understood this a hundred years ago when he talked about the archetypes within, and we understand it now, uh, understanding that God is the everything of the everything. Everything is God, and we are of God. Well, I mean, it, you have to have the the dark side and able to see the the light side. That's, so that's, what, that's what some say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what is um, what is the real name of God? Well, the real name of God is Anochi. It's one of those words, you know, like Hanukkah or Challah. But if you don't have the Jewish then you can say like Johann Sebastian Bach, Anochi. Anochi is usually translated as I. But Hebrew has another word for I, which is the small self, the ego self, the personal self. This I is the fullness, the totality, the wholeness, the completeness of everything. And the word is used 359 times in the Bible. And every time it is in the voice of God, it is when the wholeness of God is vital to the teaching or the event. No one aspect or attribute will suffice, but the entirety. And it's also used in the voice of human beings. When a human being says, how do I come into the fullness of my God self? How do I touch God within me? Now, the amazing thing about the word anochi is that um, Hebrew has, as many, many um, other languages have, what we call gematria. That is, each Hebrew letter uh, stands for a number. So it could say A is 1 and B is 2 and C is 3. So if you add up the number of the letters in anochi, it adds up to 81. And 81 is an 8 and a 1. It's a 9. And 9, according to all the universal numerologists, is the number of wholeness and completeness. So the very word itself contains the idea of wholeness and completeness. And if you turn it around, instead of 8-1, it's 1-8. And 1-8 is 18, which is, uh, again, in Hebrew numerology, the word for chai, to life, to life, lechayim, it means life. And so it is us. So the wholeness of God is at the same time the wholeness of each human being, uh, 81, 18, the totality of God and the totality of God, uh, the totality of human beings uh, who are of God. you got to admit, that's pretty cool, huh? Wow. (laughs) Just within a few minutes, you have said so much. (laughs) Um, Why haven't scholars uh, and lovers of the Bible known this? Well, some did, and actually, uh, throughout the Jewish history, throughout the sacred literature, um, there were a number of sages and scholars and rabbis who knew and who left us hints in their writings, all of which I put into the footnotes in the back of the book. Um, The book is called The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine. And they left us these hints, but it wasn't the right energetic moment in time to be revealed. This is the right energetic moment in time to be revealed. That's why I discovered it now, and that's why this revelation can come forward. So are you the first 
person that put this into print? I am. I am. You might want to know why it's the right energetic moment in time. And what does this mean? I mean, you know, the the, the the question always is, so what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? Well, number one, actually there are four things that are that are amazing here. I call them world-changing reformations. Reformations, reformations. So the first thing is that anochi is a genderless word, or better, it's genderful. So we don't have to deal with the he, she, it business anymore. And we know, as I described earlier, that God is the everything of the everything. Number two, it reminds us that God is both the transcendent God of creation and history and the imminent God, the God within. Virtually every religion or faith community has a way to connect with the transcendent God. Uh, there are prayers and meditations and chants and songs. So all the faith and religious communities have a relationship with God in the communal covenant, the transcendent God. This discovery reminds us that each individual human being can have a deep, personal, intimate, loving relationship with God on a personal covenant, on a personal basis. And so we learn from this book, and the second half of the book, which we can discuss a little later, uh, has all kinds of prayers and meditations and poems and chants for us to be able to get in touch with the God within. The third thing that it teaches us is that harsh, angry God, whom you said at the beginning you don't like very much either, is only one aspect of God. Yes, the aspect is there, but it is not the whole God. And what happens is, is that some people see that one aspect because it's so dominant in the Bible, and say, I can't relate to that kind of God, so I'm walking away from God. Our kids get stuck at the 12 years old, in a 12-year-old theology, and then they go on to get PhDs in nuclear physics. And so they have 12-year-old ideas about God. And so this... It tells us that that aspect of God is only one aspect of the divine beach ball. And finally, and probably most important and most exciting at this time in the world, and that's why this discovery has been made now, is that it seems that the theme song of the world right now is, My God's better than your God. And if you don't believe me, I will become a fundamentalist. And if you still don't believe me, I'll become an extremist. And if you still don't believe me, I'll become a terrorist and terrorize you into believing and behaving the way I do. What this says is there is one God who is the God of all of us, especially all the three Abrahamic sourced religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. There is one God who is the God of all of us. We may call that God by different names, just like siblings in a family. Somebody may say father, and somebody may say daddy, and somebody may say pop, and somebody may say mama, and somebody may say ma, and somebody may say mommy. Uh, but it's all the same parent. And so the lesson here is we all have one parent to one God. And that God says to us, I love you all. I love all my children equally. I don't play favorites, and I really don't care what you call me nor do I care how you 
uh, speak to me or pray to me or worship uh, me or sing to me. I love you all. And you who are created in my image, uh, I hope that you will love me in return. And I trust that you will love each other because you are all my children. And I am a God of love, and I'm asking you to be human beings of love. You see, we have come to that place in the world where we have such technological power and such scientific and medical power that either we learn to live together in harmony and unity or we have come to the place where we will destroy each other and perish from the earth. And that's why this discovery has come at this moment in time because we need desperately to understand oneness consciousness. There is one God, one world, one people. Well, I I mean, I see this through our radio show and and things that we've been reading that um, this is coming to light quite quickly, but then we fear that it's not going to happen fast enough. Well, I'll tell you. Let's pretend for a minute, okay? Let's pre- remember back to 1987. In 1987, a whole bunch of young people, I wasn't so young then, but I was, <laughs> I was with them, uh, a whole bunch of young people decided to stand around the world at a specific time and hold hands and sing songs. And the idea was to bring uh, a new understanding of peace to the world. And we called it later the harmonic convergence. You remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're probably both too young to remember, but oh. you, you, you you know that. So the harmonic convergence. Now, what did it do? We sang songs and held hands? Big deal, right? But if I had told you in 1986 that I predicted in the next 15, 20 years the Soviet Union will fall and communism will uh, be finished in the Soviet Union, that all the Soviet satellite countries will become to one extent or another democratic, that blacks and whites will be riding the bus together in Johannesburg, South Africa, that Protestants and Catholics will stop shooting at each other in Northern Ireland, and that every once in a while Israelis and Palestinians will sit down at a peace table. You would call the white coats to cart me away saying I was totally crazy. But it all happened. Now, did it happen because of the harmonic convergence? Maybe. Maybe not. But maybe because oneness, consciousness, was raised. Somebody said to me once, you know, Rabbi, I've I've been to a number of Jewish services, and you uh, you Jews pray three times a day in a formal service, and each one of those services contains a prayer for peace. You've been praying for peace three times a day for millennia now, and there's still no peace. So isn't your prayer worthless? And I said, you know, if everybody on earth prayed for peace at the exact same moment, for that moment at least, we'd have peace. And so there is so much at stake now, and that's why I believe that this discovery, this revelation has been given over at this time in human history. There is a hunger for the sacred, and there is the realization that if we don't get along, if we don't go along with each other, we could destroy each other. And so God says to us, My children, be children of love, love each other, make this world a great and a better place. 
has. Um, can you refresh my memory? We had a guest that found in blood. I think it was maybe Greg Braden that found in the blood um, Sanskrit of God and that we all carry. I think it was Greg Braden, actually. And he talked about Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Yahweh is the main name of the God of the Bible. yud heh vav Yahweh, pronounced by Jews Adonai. And that's that's one of the... Everybody thinks it's the main God, and it's uh, what I was speaking about earlier. Everybody thinks that's God. But this discovery tells us that Yahweh is only one aspect of the whole God. Now, I don't doubt that we all carry DNA of, of being children of God. There's no question about that. But Greg was getting it. He just didn't go far enough. And uh, my good friend Jonathan Goldman, who is one of the great um, uses sound for for healing, uh, wrote a book and a CD about the name of the sound, the sound of the name of God. He, too, uh, thought that the name was Yahweh. I was just on his radio program the other day, and um, he agrees with me that uh, that he had it up to a certain point, and that this discovery of Anochi goes beyond it. And that's why I wrote The Real Name of God, embracing the full essence of the divine, so that everybody could know. You say that the name of God is spoken both in the voice of God and the voice of human beings. Right. What What do you mean by that? Well, as I alluded to earlier, human beings are trying to seek their God self, the God within them, to touch the God within. So, for example, uh, when Cain kills Abel, God says to Cain, where are you? Now, what a silly question. God doesn't know where Cain is. There are only three people on earth. He couldn't have lost them, right? <laughs> so it's not what he meant. It's not what he, she, God, Anochi meant. What Anochi meant was, what's happening? Where are you, man? What's going on? That's and so, so Cain says, am I, Anochi, am I my brother's guardian? Cain didn't know the rules of earth. Cain didn't know that hitting somebody with a rock or pushing somebody backward to fall could result in the cessation of life. He had no idea. So Cain is saying, how do I come into the God within me? How do I touch that God? And how do I understand that I'm responsible for anything greater than myself? Another example is, remember the story of Rebecca? She was barren. And she prayed and prayed to to uh, get pregnant. Her husband Isaac prayed that she should get pregnant. So finally she gets pregnant. And the account is that she has twins in her um, in her uterus. And the twins struggle with each other. These are the twins who will eventually be uh, born and be called Isaac, uh, be called Jacob and Esau. So. She's struggling, struggling in this pregnancy, and she's afraid she's going to lose the pregnancy. And she says, Im Cain, if this is so, Lama Ze Anochi, what is my, what am I? What is my God self? Because in those days, of course, women weren't radio hosts. Women bore children and were mothers. They were wives and mothers uh, and, and, and uh, baby machines. That was the, the the place of woman on earth. 
And she's saying, if I can't be a mother and give birth to these children and and um, and mother them, then what's my God self? What am I doing here? Why do I have any purpose uh, in in uh, in earth, in life? And so over and over again, when we see the vo- the the word anochi in the voice of a human being, it is when that that uh, human being is say, saying, how do I touch God within me? How do I get in touch with the the being of God within me, with my God self? Now, you'll say to me, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but I'll, I'll respond anyway. What do you mean God within? Well, it goes like this. When Adam came into this world and was what we call the, the metaphor of the first human being, so, what did, how did he become a living, animated human being? God breathed the breath of God into him. After all, what makes this lump of chemicals that's you or me worth a couple hundred bucks on the open market? What makes us living, being, breathing, animated human beings? It is the breath of God. God breathes into us, and we become alive. And when it is time to die, God takes away our breath and we return to the dust. So within us is the breath of God. That's what gives us life. So later in the book, in the second half, when we have all these chants that um, people can use in order to be in touch with the imminent God, the God within, one of those chants is the Hebrew word ruach, one of those words again, which means breathing. It means the Spirit of God, the breath of God. And so we have a little chant. Uh, if you've been snorkeling, anybody ever been snorkeling? Taz, Paula? Yes. So you know, yes. what do you hear? You hear your own breath, yes? Yes. You hear your own breath when you snorkel. So if we are aware of our breathing, the Buddhists get this when they talk about mindful breathing. If we are aware of our breathing, we must be aware that it is God's breath. And God is within us. So this little chant uh, helps us remember that it is the breath of God. You can even hear the whoosh of, of the air in the chant. It goes, Ruach, 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 Breathing. Breathing, 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 breathing. If you don't concentrate on the chant, but you concentrate on the meaning of the chant, you hear your own breath, you are mindful of your own breathing, and you know that God is within you. And so there are 30 chants in the book that... Uh, help us get in touch with God. Now, you can't hear a chant in a book. Um, I, I have another book called 20 Minute Kabbalah where we put the CD of the chants in the back of the book. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, the CDs got ripped out of the book in the bookstores and made the book um, sort of worthless. So the publisher didn't want to do that again. So uh, we created a website. It's called www.godisanochi, G O D I S. A-N-O-C-H-I dot com. And there you can go 
and listen, as we used to say on the old South Side of Chicago, free for nothing. You can listen totally for free to all 30 chants. And if you would like to own the chants, you can purchase a download or purchase a hard copy CD. And uh, you can you can use these chants as a personal spiritual practice to get in touch uh, with God. Well, that's pretty wonderful to have it on a website free for nothing. So that's fabulous. So, tell us about the second half of your of your book. Well, that, that, that's that's one of the examples. Um, another example in that second half is a chant that says, "I place God before me always." What does that mean? I place God before me always. Well, the kids on the streets would say, "You put God in your face." Well, what does that mean? It means that. We need to be aware. We need to remember constantly that God is everywhere. God is in our face. God's in our back, on our right, on our left, above us, below us, everywhere in the whole world. God is all around us and within us. And if God is all around me and within me, God is all around you and within you. And so when I go into the bank and I have to stand in an incredibly long line because the teller is so slow, or I go into a convenience store and the teenage clerk can't make change for a dollar bill without using the computer, or some guy cuts me off in traffic, I could become very angry, I could become very frustrated, I could be pound the steering wheel or yell at that teenager, but by remembering that God is before me always, I remember that just as I'm a child of God, that clerk, that other driver, the teller is a child of God. And if I yell at him, if I yell at her, I diminish his or her God self, his or her Godness. And if I diminish his or her Godness, I diminish God. And I diminish my own Godness. And so having that chance reminds us that we are all, all children of God. And, you know, the more we treat each other as children of God, then... I can't cheat you in business, and I can't say that your ideas are worthless or uh, don't have any validity because you're a child of God. I'll tell you a story, if I may. Uh, I grew up on the southeast side of Chicago, you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown, I mean, the same neighborhood. And it's a, it was a fascinating neighborhood. In 1945, it was a Polish Catholic steelworkers neighborhood. In 1960, it was a half-Jewish neighborhood, and by 1970, it was an entirely black neighborhood. All middle class, all lovely small little homes, uh, but changing demographics. Well, when I was very young, late 40s, early 50s, we all, all the kids in the neighborhood played together on the playground. And then, kindergarten time, I went to the local public school, and a bunch of my Catholic kid friends went to the local parish school, St. Mary Magdalene, where they learned from their priests and nuns that I, Wayne Dosick, had personally killed their Lord. And by the time I was eight or nine, I was being beaten up on a regular basis because of that. Fast forward 40 years or so, 50 or whatever it is, and I am a rabbi on a faculty of a Catholic university, teaching the only courses in Jewish studies in the Department of Religion and Theology. 
working with the late and much lamented Monsignor for Mission and Ministry to create an all-faith service where once a year representatives, clergy, lay people of every faith came to the uh, church on campus, each to pray in his or her own language, in his or her own words, uh, the words of each individual and different faith tradition. Uh, I... um, I preached myself from the pulpit of the Immaculata, standing next to a statue of Jesus. And one of my closest and dearest friends, most intimate friends in the entire world, is a Jesuit priest. Now look what's happened in 50 years. Utterly, completely, totally amazing. We can give great credit to the the twinkle-eyed Pope, John XXIII. And um, if the Spirit really moved them, and if if, um, the initial... Um, behaviors uh, are fulfilled. This new pope, Pope Francis the First, may have um, may have just that kind of uh, spirit. What does it mean? It means that enemies, enemies for two thousand years, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the pogroms, where Jews were slaughtered by Christians. It means that's over. It means that a priest and a rabbi can sit together and to be uh, be uh, great friends. It means that a rabbi can teach at a Catholic university and be honored and respected, not so much for my personal persona, but for what I represent. So if we can do that, we can do that with everyone, person by person, friend by friend, individual by individual, soul by soul. Wow. Well, I can, now the word ascension comes to my mind uh, when we all come together and realize this. It's what some people call ascension. Well, it is for me um, the coming of Eden on Earth again. Now, Christianity calls it the second coming. Judaism calls it the first coming. Um, being at a Catholic university, I didn't want to get involved in the electricity of uh, charged religious words. So when I was a kid, I'm sure you did too. Remember playing hopscotch when you were a kid, and you yes. would draw, you would draw it with chalk on the sidewalk and hop up. And when you got to the top, you either called it ten or home or goal. For some unknown reason in Chicago. And people remember this whenever I talk to a Chicago and people remember this 70, 80 years later. For some unknown reason, we call that that top sky blue. And sky blue stuck into my head as a um, metaphor for that perfect world, Eden on Earth. And a number of years ago, I wrote a book called Golden Rules, the Ten Ethical Values Parents Need to Teach Their Children. And I had an artist draw for me the meaning of that book which was a pair of hands parents holding their children reaching up towards the rainbow reaching up towards sky blue and that becomes the image for me of Eden on earth once again of a perfect world and so one of the chants in the back of the book goes one God one world one people one God one world one people one God one world one people Eden on earth one God, one world, one people. One God, one world, one people. One God, one world, one people. Eden on earth. And that, of course, is the power and the promise of of Anochi. 
Wow. You know, I I want to ask you, do you work often with children? And I, I'm thinking of younger children. And um, and what is your response? I mean, what what is their response to working with what you're doing, and and how do you see them carrying forth your message when you're with them? Well, we uh, work with children uh, tremendously, and actually together, my wife, uh, Ellen Kaufman-Dosick, and I wrote the book called Empowering Your Indigo Children. This uh, wave of children who's uh, being born into life on Earth these days, these children are the paradigm shifters. They They are coming in to help us move from the third dimension to the fifth dimension to Eden on Earth again. And they are wise, and they are creative, and they are innovative, and they are energetic, and they are deep souls look into their eyes and see into their soul, and they are wise far beyond their years. In their magnificence, they are bringing us, you know, the little children will lead them. It's absolutely true. They are bringing us closer and closer to Eden on Earth. Some of them, of course, sadly, uh, their vision of perfection is is uh, slammed by this wildly imperfect world, and in their pain and dis- in their pain from the dissonance, uh, they act out and and don't go along and don't get along. And we call these the uh, indigo children who are in pain. And our book is spiritual healing processes for them. But the kids who are in their magnificence. They get this. They know it. They come. Um, <laughs> I had a I had a young man who came into my uh, office one day to to um, have a healing session, and I always tell the kid, the uh, parents to tell the kids to call me Wayne because they don't need another doctor in their lives, and most kids don't know what a rabbi is. But in this in this particular case. It was a Jewish family in the neighborhood, and the mother wanted to be very respectful, so she told her son to call me rabbi. So he walks in, and he says, hey, you're a rabbi, right? I said, yes. He said, uh, so that means um, you believe in all that Bible stuff. Well, I don't want to get into a deep theological conversation with an eight-year-old at that moment. So I said, yes, that's right. He looked at me and said, you're a fool. And his mother said, what are you talking about? Don't talk to the rabbi. I said, really? Tell me why. He said, you know, those stories in the Bible, they're not true. Some of them are true, but most of them are partly true, and the beginning of this story goes with the end of that story, and the middle of this story belongs with a different story, and on and I said, how do you know all this? He put his thumbs up in the air, and he said, hey, I just came from there. These were my bedtime stories. Wow. Wow. This young man was still warm from being with God, and he remembered more and more from the other side. So these kids get it, and for some of them, this is like ho-hum. I was in one audience giving a talk not long ago, and during the question period, one man stood up and he said to me, Rabbi, I want you to know that you are a genius, you are a visionary genius, and what you have found here is going to change the world for good forever. I said, thank you very much. He, The next woman stood up and said, Rabbi, you are a blasphemer. Well, I said, thank you very much, because, of course, when 
new ideas come into the world, whatever they are, religious, economic, uh, cultural, educational, whatever they are, um, when when old, comfortable beliefs, uh, long-held beliefs are challenged, it can be very scary. So I understand that, that woman's response. Um, but that's the, re- the response of, of, of adults. Indigo children, the young children, for most of them, this is ho-hum. They understand it, they know it, because it's their reality, and they just expect the world to catch up with them. How do you see them... How, how do you see this altering their parents when they come in in this aspect? Uh, maybe they're bringing truth into the home or right. just on a regular loving basis. I mean, mm-hmm. they're probably not preaching anything, you know, like like what someone older would do. But maybe they bring truth in a different way. What What are you seeing with this? Well... You know, these children have come to give us all lessons, and um, it depends on how open a parent is. Many, many young parents are pretty open and pretty understanding. Some young parents uh, just um, follow the way they were brought up, and they're scared and they're they're uh, challenged, and they don't quite know how to handle it. But the parents who have a bit of enlightenment um, and one of the things I teach is spiritual parenting. Those who have some enlightenment can um, help their children so much. So just I'll give you a quick example there. Let's say you're out for a walk with your child. You're in the park, and your your um, seven-year-old says to you, your five-year-old says to you, hey, Mom, look at that beautiful tree right there. Now, you have two choices. You could give the rational response. The rational response is, Yes, what a beautiful tree. And I remember from my fifth grade class in trees and leaves that by the shape of the leaves and the uh, formation of the trunk and the bark, that's an elm tree. You could do it that way. Or when your child says, hey, Mom, look at that beautiful tree, you can say, what a beautiful tree and what a gift of beauty God has given us. Thank you, God. Same, exact same scenario, two totally different approaches. And if you choose the spiritual approach, you will help your child hone and, well, hone his or her spiritual being. Well, our ancient cultures actually did that. Sure they did. I had a guest on my own radio program yesterday, uh, Dr. Christine Page, who wrote a book about the power of sacred women. And part of what happened from antiquity is that at a certain point, the Mother Earth and the matriarchal society gave way to the powerful patriarchal society and uh, the divine feminine, and therefore reflected on Earth, the feminine on Earth, was pushed and shoved underground, and um, we got this whole notion of of men who, in our generation, for example, created corporate ladders, this linear, um, you start in the mailroom and work your way up the rungs of the ladder wearing a gray flannel suit, and you eventually get to the top of the ladder and you win. That's how men 
uh, perceive the world. Women, on the other hand, weave webs and build networks. And it is no coincidence and no accident that what has happened to the world in the last 20 years or so is the feminization of the world, the egalitarian nature of the world coming to the fore, and that's why we have the World Wide Web on the Internet. We don't call it the World Wide Ladder. We call it the World Wide Web and the Internet. This is creating an egalitarian world. You know, it used to be if you wanted to be an author, you had to uh, write a book and uh, get an agent and get peer-reviewed and get a publisher and get blurbs from friends and so forth. Now, anybody with access to a computer is an author overnight. It used to be that there was no possibility of your radio show or mine because there was network radio, and that was it. Now we have the Internet, we have Blog Talk, we have HealthyLife.net, which is my station. We have all kinds of stations all over the world. Anybody who wants to have a radio show can have a radio show. You have to get sponsors, maybe you have to sell your idea, but but whatever it is, you could have a radio show. And if you don't get on one of the regular networks, you can find a way to um, to broadcast from your backyard uh, all by yourself. That's an incredible step forward, which means that we are reflecting on Earth what is going on in the heavens, which is the braiding together once again of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Well, it's just what. You gave that as an example. I mean, from it's happened so quickly, it's it's hard to keep up with. It is, it is. I mean, uh, yeah. Th- think about this. Do you know when the first uh, issue of Ms. Magazine was issued? No. It was only 1972. Whoa. 1972. It's like yesterday. The feminist revolution took place yesterday, and look where we have gotten, and look who we are. What a what a tremendous time in human history we are privileged to live in. And the feminine movement is uh, softening. I mean, it started out with uh, anger and you know punching forward, and now it's softening and and realizing as a movement that it's more than that. Right, and so for for a while, the the blessings that Jews say over food and new clothing and gratitude to God and gratitude for keeping us in life, um, they're all masculine, the king of the universe. They're addressed to the king of the universe. So for a while, feminists of both genders were writing blessings that address God as she, address the feminine aspect of God. But just as, as women felt left out when there was the masculine address, I and other men felt left out when there's a feminine address. And so here in the book, The Real Name of God, I rewrote the blessings for Jews, and I call God, Anochi, the source of all, the source of all life and the breath of all living beings. Now that's a blessing anybody can say and relate to God in God's greatest characteristics. really a beautiful thought. Thanks. Yeah, it's really great. Well, I you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say 
I um, I have two sets of grandchildren. One are in their 20s and the others are in their teens. And I could see the difference in the two of them. And um, and I can see the active role of the younger, the, the, the ones in their teens now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they actually go to school and take an active role and make sure that there's really fairness in their school. And they, I mean, they petition. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I to watch them stand up and say to a teacher they actually took a teacher to to this to a stand and said you know we need to make a correction here we like what you do but in this area we need you to support us and you're um you know you're not and i think i was kind of shocked that a 13 year old would have this you know, go around petitioning and really make a stance and bring the world back to a fair situation to support all kids in the in the schoolroom. Isn't that fabulous? Isn't yeah, that just you know, fabulous? It, yeah, I just you know, I'm going, whoa, this is just really amazing. And uh, and watching this, um, you know, in a consciousness that was done well, it wasn't like shaking a finger or anything like that, but it was so well thought out and so well, you know, it's just amazing. And they and they have this kind of feeling like they always want to incorporate everyone around. And if one feels left out, they will just go ahead and uh, they make that connection with that well, person they can see. That's a great contrast to the bullying that's going on in some places. And, yeah. yes, we have great new power in our being between the technology and the medicine and the science and the sacred spirit we have great new power in our hands but i do want to remind that the ultimate is in god and given our our power and our prowess now sometimes we forget and we think that we run the world well, we do with free will and choice given to us by God. There's this great story that that a number of scientists come to God and they say, God, we've come to say goodbye to you. We love you, we honor you, we, we respect you, but we don't need you anymore. We've come to say goodbye. And God said, really, why? And the scientist said, well, because, you know, up till now, you were the only entity, the only being that could create ex nihilo. You could create human beings out of nothing. But we scientists have finally figured out how to do it. We know how to do it. And so we don't need you anymore. We've come to say goodbye. And God said, really? Could you show me, please? And so one of the scientists reached down and picked up a clump of earth and began to mold it and shape it and form it. And God said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, use your own dirt. (laughs) so the power is not all in our own hands sometimes we forget that and we threaten to shoot missiles into other countries so we need to know we need to know that it is god anochi who is god i i but i actually see the loving kindness of god and the children doing this of course you know, it's it's really you know that God is within them, and and you can feel the energy, and, and we are really 
we're really blessed to have, when I see these little children being born now, you know, and they're under one year old and the whole thing, I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is just really exciting to watch because maybe this is some of the turnaround that, you know, we're going to be seeing eventually and how things, you know, uh, go about. And um, Well, what I see happening, too, is uh, things are coming to light. As you just mentioned, bullying, uh, years ago, Teachers didn't pay attention. They just allowed the kids to fight and bully each other. But now it's coming to light, and it's, uh, people are realizing that this is happening and it's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it um, it works for me, and uh, I get the privilege of seeing these little children in their growth and in their healing for those who uh, who uh, need it. And um, it's one of the, one of the great blessings of my life that I get to do that. And at the same time, I tell parents that uh, parents have to be more and more involved. You know, uh, parents these days, according to a number of studies, parents these days spend eleven and a half hours less each week with their children than did parents of the 1960s. We're so now, busy. <laughs> why? Yeah, exactly. We're so busy. Why? Because we need two incomes. Why? Because we have to uh, uh, have all the things that the materialistic world has taught us that are vital to our lives. Well, you know, a simple life is it can be a very blessed life also. And so if we didn't have to make so much money, we would have more time to be with our children. You pay your auto mechanic far more to take care of your car than you pay a babysitter to take care of your child. Something is upside down in our society. Yeah, yeah. I think this is why grandparents are so important. Exactly, exactly. Because they have the time for the children. They have the time to listen, where a parent is like, so busy they're not even listening to their children yeah and look at the values i mean uh here are two sentences i'm a college professor i'm a first grade teacher to whom do we give the status and the prestige and the money but who's much much more important in the life of a child so we yeah of course we have to we just have to get back on track and we can do that by understanding the world of the spirit. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the world of materialism and secularism and humanism, except there is a lot wrong with the world of materialism and secularism and humanism. And so we need to return to the world of the spirit. And many people have been put off by the description of God in the Bible and by the maleness of God in the Bible and the the harshness of God in the Bible, and here is a way to say, Anochi is the everything of the everything, you and I are the everything of the everything, and return to the world of the Spirit, where God wraps us in comfort and in love, and in turn, we begin to love each other more and more and more, and the more and more we love each other, the less and less we will fight with each other or try to dominate each other, and the more and more we will come to a world of unity and harmony and decency and dignity and righteousness and peace. Well, that's 
a perfect, perfect um, ending for our show. Um, we want to give out your website uh, again so people can uh, get... God, yeah, okay, so it's godisanochi.com. Anochi, anochi is, is, a, is a good Italian uh, delicacy. Well, I, we <laughs> need God to is anochi, help... G-O-D-I-S-A-N-O-C-H-I.com, God is Anochi. Yes, thank you so much. I don't mean to tease you, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I, would, I have to say uh, it's a line I use all the time because You have uh, to allow people to, to be able to know how to spell the website. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Okay. Good. okay, God is, and then A-N-O-C-H-I.com. Right. And right. we're talking with Rabbi Wayne uh, Dosick. Right. He, he, and, uh, his book is The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine. And um, and your other website that carries empowering the indigo child, um, a handbook for parents and of uh, children of spirit, is uh, soulbysoul.com. dot com. Right, or you can also go to uh, rabbiwaynedosic.com, dot com, and both in the that website and the God Zanochi website, all of my books are there and you can uh, have access to ordering them all, adding them to your personal library. And Plus all those the free chants. And, I mean, that's marvelous. Oh, yeah. Well, a loving consciousness, a one consciousness, you know, thank you for being with us. That's well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's a wonderful program, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. And uh, we have to encourage people out there to still Pray every day for peace. Absolutely. Pray for peace. Work for peace. Think peace. Send out peaceful energy to the world. Bring peace. It starts to bring peace to the world. You have to bring peace to your country and peace to your community and peace to your neighborhood and peace to your own home. And it all begins with peace in your own heart. Well, thank you so much. That gave me a chill. Mm. So uh, peace be with you, and peace be with all of our listeners. And with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.